Hi friend, welcome back to the Let's Talk Wildlife podcast. Thank you so, so, so much for tuning in. I know that it has been quite some time. I believe the last time I uploaded an episode was well over a month ago, so I do apologize for that. I did receive a lot of messages from you guys that listen to the podcast, uh, just asking where what's happened, making sure that I haven't lost motivation, and that was not the case at all. I went on holiday, I it, life took over, we all know how that happens, but we are here and we are ready and more excited than ever. So thank you so much for clicking on this episode. I am very excited. It feels fantastic to be back and to be recording again. So today's episode, we will be having a conversation about two different animals, but they belong to the same family. So they belong to monotremes, which are egg-laying mammals. If that doesn't give it away already, we will be covering the echidna and platypus. So welcome to the Let's Talk Wildlife podcast. And this is our conversation on monotremes. Before we begin, I, when I first wanted and I had the, the thoughts and ideas about the podcast, I really wanted echidnas and platypus to actually be the first episode and I had it recorded I had a full episode I had it edited and it was it was ready to go and to upload but for some reason it just didn't feel right and that's one thing that I always I guess look out for when I record every single week is when I'm researching these animals I want to make sure that it feels right and that it's something that I'm putting all my effort and you know that I'm actually enjoying so for some reason I actually never uploaded that as the first one I can't recall what the first episode was I think it may have been sharks but we're here now and we are finally releasing an episode on these beautiful magnificent creatures so what is a monotreme what does that mean So this covers a really small group of mammals that lay eggs and also has one common opening for both their digestive system and reproductive system. Why an echidna and a platypus is a part of the monotreme family is because they have these characteristics and it is a bizarre trait to have a mammal laying eggs. So mammals like cows and elephants, bats, dolphins, they all give birth to live young, whereas these mammals lay eggs like reptiles, so our snakes and our lizards. I I guess in a sense, if you mixed reptiles, birds and mammals all up in, in one concoction, you would get the echidna and the platypus. And I have had the privilege of seeing these little guys in the wild and also in captivity in wildlife sanctuaries. They are so remarkable. So I really want to jump straight in and they both have some traits and characteristics that are similar to each other and they also have some that are only seen in themselves. 
So it's really interesting. I hope you enjoy this episode and you can write down some facts or you can do some research yourself, go out and find some echidnas or platypus if you live where they do. So like I mentioned, they lay eggs, which is a reptilian feature. They both have electroreceptive systems. I believe the platypus has around 40,000 electroreceptors on their bill, which we will definitely get more into. And the echidna only has around 400 to 2,000 on their snouts. They are, the echidna and the platypus, are the most ancient living order of mammals uh, to exist. So platypuses, which is the plural, it is not platypi. (laughs) Platypus are mammals, as we covered, they are carnivorous. Their diet consists of insects, shellfish, worms. They do not have any teeth. So what will happen is when they dive down and fetch their, their food, they will store them in their cheek pouches. Koalas also do this as well. They will store food in their cheek pouches. But the platypus will store food, so let's just say shellfish, in their cheek pouch. Sometimes they will also uh, add some gravel from their environment to help mush up uh, their food for consumption. And they typically come out of the water or up uh, from the water to consume their food. The bill that we mentioned has around 40,000 electroreceptors. So like sharks, sharks also have this. They can pick up electronic impulses in the water to detect their prey and to also detect rocks and other objects that could get in their way. Why this is really important and why platypus rely on their bill 100% underwater is because folds of skin will actually cover their eyes and their ears when they're submerged. So they are in turn completely blind underwater, only relying on their bill. Their front feet are used for paddling and their hind are used for steering. So if you do get the chance to watch a platypus swim, you will notice this occurring Um, with their hind feet only steering. Uh, They are extremely adorable. But although they're adorable and as a baby, they are the possibly the cutest animal that I have seen, they are Australia's only venomous mammal. But the males, and only the males, no females, they actually have a spur on their hind legs, which is a venom-secreting gland. It is lethal, but again, there have been no deaths or injuries recorded from platypus to human. So that's that's a good sign. And platypus are rare to find also in the wild. It takes an extremely long time. And one thing that I have learned with wildlife watching and waiting for wildlife, even birds, I like to just sit by the lagoon near my house and there are egrets there there are sparrows and kingfisher I have learned to be patient so much I mean if it's a lucky day you might be able to get an egret come super close and within the first 10 minutes but usually it does not work that way it does not work that way for me 
at least. <laughs> it may for you, but I have sat there for hours on end just waiting, not even to document, not even to film or photograph, just to watch. I think that birds are magnificent creatures. When they are in flight, especially huge great egrets, when they take flight, it is one of the most majestic sights that I have seen. So the platypus's fur has two main layers. These are used for insulating and also waterproofing. So their fur helps trap layers of air, which helps them remain buoyant and dry underwater. This is really important considering that platypus spend around 10 to 12 hours underwater each day in search for food. The platypus was first discovered in 1798 by British scientists and they thought them to be fake. They took one look at the platypus and said, this is not real. (laughs) They could not believe what they were seeing. The male platypus grows significantly larger than the female, uh, both weighing anywhere between 0.6 to 3 kilograms and from about 14 to 25 inches in length. Platypus fossils were actually found or discovered and they were significantly larger. So ancient platypus were much larger than modern platypus. Again, modern platypus, the males come in to about 25 inches long. These ancient fossils were about one meter long. But that is typically like most or a few of our modern day animals. So ancient sloth, ancient wombats, all of those were so much larger than they are today. This may be due to overhunting, it may be due to lack of food, um, and over time they became smaller. And we live with the the smaller modern animals. sloth and wombats and platypus. The platypus can be found anywhere in Victoria, like Western Victoria, all the way up to roughly around Cooktown in Queensland. They have also been found in Tasmania and they were introduced in the 1900s to Kangaroo Island, so they can be found there too. They reside in freshwater systems, lakes, dams, lagoons, Something really interesting is although they spend around 12 hours underwater searching for food a day, they can actually only hold their breath between 30 and about 140 seconds. So uh, it's not too long, but I mean, it works for them, I guess. I always wonder in hundreds and millions of years to come, what will our modern day animals evolve into? How will they need to change to keep up with the ever-changing climate and environment. So, I mean, I, I, I won't be around in millions of years, but I do always wonder what a platypus will be like in millions of years. Unchanged? I'm not sure. Changed? It's definitely plausible. <laughs> Same with the echidna as well. They evolved around 20 to 50 million years ago. So it's just, it's, it's a crazy thought. The echidna is also a mammal and it is also a carnivore as well. Its diet consists of termites and ants. They can actually eat around 40,000 ants 
a day. They have no teeth. They use their long, beautiful snout, which also has electroreceptors, which kind of gives them a sixth sense. And their tongue, which they use to suck up these termites or ants, gets to around 15 centimeters in length. Their body and fur is a lot different from the platypus. They are covered in tiny spines, which are hair follicles, and they use this as a defense mechanism. There are four species of echidna, the short-beaked, eastern long-beaked, western long, and the Sir David's long. These echidnas range from mainland Australia down to Tasmania and up in New Guinea. Their lifespan is roughly anywhere between 15 and 50 years of age in the wild and captivity they have been known to live around 45 years. Something that helps them live for a significantly long time is they have the second lowest body temperature. Coming in first place is, funnily enough, the platypus. So why this helps with their lifespan is having such a low body temperature, their metabolism is extremely slow. So if you compare a mouse to an elephant, their metabolism rates completely different. Their body temperatures, their environment, so many factors come into play with lifespans. So these little echidnas live in forests and woodlands. They have been known to gather a name called ecosystem engineers. They are really important to the environment and to our ecosystem. They do a lot of digging, which moves the soil. And by moving the soil, this also has a lot of water penetration to it, which means our soil is a lot healthier, which in turn can have a lot of plant regrowth. Echidnas are environmentally friendly, I think that we could all learn a little bit from our wildlife and our kidnas. They do have a fair few predators, a lot of introduced species, so our feral cats and our foxes, but also dingoes and eagles prey upon our echidnas. Something that's quite interesting, and I didn't want to leave this out. So a male echidna actually has a four-headed appendage, so they have a very unique reproductive organ. During mating, the male will shut down two of these heads and the other two will grow large enough to fit into the two-branched reproductive tract of the female. Why they have four a four-headed penis is just improves their chances of having babies and breeding and keeps their population growing. The male also has a spur, like the male platypus, but unlike the platypus, the echidna spur is not venomous at all. In 1989, there was a study done and we spoke about the echidna and the platypus having or being able to detect electroreceptors. In 1989, they did a study and found that an echidna could differentiate two pools of water, one that had no electricity and one that was conducting small amounts of electricity. Of electricity. So this led scientists to believe that they could, in fact, somehow miraculously pick up electricity. I don't know how, and every single time I'm researching animals or 
I learned something new. I'm in awe. Our wildlife on Earth is so spectacular. And if there is wildlife on other planets and other solar systems, I don't know (laughs) if they could live up to how incredible our wildlife is. From the echidna and platypus to... We have in immortal jellyfish. We have, you know, whales that live 200 years. The Greenland shark that lives 200 years plus. From tiny little ants to bees who pollinate our flowers and make all of this living possible. It is truly spectacular. And I, I just love sitting out in, in nature and listening to the birds. I heard for the first time the other day near my house an eastern whip bird if you are unsure or you have not heard these birds I highly recommend doing a little bit of a research typing it in on YouTube because it is a spectacular call for a bird I I think perhaps we should do an episode on birds (laughs) I know we did talk and cover about the cassowary but I mean small birds because the wildlife is just spectacular here and I'm not sure how anyone could not appreciate how remarkable living alongside these animals truly is. Unfortunately, with the echidna and platypus, a lot of land clearing and drought and bushfires have impacted their populations and they are on a decline so it's really important for us to acknowledge this and to educate ourselves and also know what we can be doing sustainable practices I mention all the time is really important you may not realize but just because they don't live in your area or you haven't seen them doesn't mean that you aren't affecting them because when we affect the environment we are in turn affecting our wildlife so echidnas and platypus included you can also donate or even just support an organization for platypus or echidnas or any animal of your choosing wwf australia is a really great one they are also working with platypus conservation initiatives New South Wales National Parks is also an organisation or a wildlife service that is doing their part and their role in supporting and protecting our echidnas and platypus. I really hope you learn a little bit today about our monotremes. Here in Australia, they are a remarkable species, both of these animals. And if you can, get out there, get your hands dirty, Go look for these beautiful creatures from a safe distance. I always like to add that in there. (laughs) Making sure we are giving them their space as they do us. This has been an absolute pleasure to record again. Thank you so much if you have made it all the way to the end. I appreciate you listening and I appreciate your love and support. I do send it all back and I appreciate all your lovely messages as well. Thank you so, so much and... I will see you this time next week.